Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast platforms and on YouTube. Like, subscribe. Draft season is here we now know the raptors will select number 13 in the 2023 nba draft at least that's where it is right now what happens in the future we'll have to see but joining me to talk about that pick and their options tyler rooker of no ceilings nba sir welcome 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 thank you so much for spreading your knowledge to all the raptor fan base how are you I'm doing good. Thank you so much. It, it feels like it's the perfect time of the year now to talk some NBA draft. Um, everyone's excited after the lottery and we all kind of have our spot and where we're picking and every fan base is like, all right, now we need to figure out who's the names to watch out for. So thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited for this one. I'm happy Wemby. He's going to San Antonio. I have two. I'm, I'm guilty happy. of admitting it. I, I'm, I'm happy to see him, him go there. Popovich get one more project, but you know, we were rooting for everyone to get that, but it, it was nice to see him go to San Antonio. He was happy. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you saw that clip of uh, him reacting to the Houston Rockets not being the team <laughs> he's going to. Yeah. Um, and that's my only point is that there have been so many prospects, and you probably know too, that just mm-hmm. haven't gotten, they haven't reached their potential probably because of the team that they were they were drafted to. Um, and uh, I'm happy that he's going to be going to an organization that has a history of making the most out of their their centers. Um, David Robinson, Tim Duncan, we know the list goes on. And uh, the connection with Tony Parker, like all this stuff. Like it just it seems like it's a perfect connection. Yes, I'm sure many people are upset that the San Antonio Spurs are back on the uprise. But I mean, it is what it is. I'd rather he go to a place that he's going to be appreciated and his potential is going to be maximized. Then, I mean, Charlotte, Houston, what's your history? What's your history of making the most out of a player like Victor Wimbenyama? Anyway, that's just that. No, it, it, it definitely comes with, you know, being one of those top picks. I, I think a lot of fans, we get so excited about those lottery picks, but it always does come down to fit in the jerk. I feel like going into this, there was a lot of franchises in which Victor Wimanyama could shift the momentum for an an organization. Sure. But, um, you know, when it came to San Antonio, that was still one of my favorite fits for him and for the Spurs. I think they need him, and pairing him with Jeremy Sohan should be very exciting defensive upside. And and just all the connections, it's really cool to see Wimanyama go to the Spurs and Obviously, nothing's official, but I think we're we're all pretty much assuming it's a done deal, <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah. it would be safe to say so. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of prospects in this class, I think, that have the potential to end up in really good spots, and some teams picking a little earlier than I was expecting this year. Um, sure. And I think one of those is Toronto. They're going to have a lot of really good, you know, options to select from. I, I think they're in a good spot. Yeah, low key, a, a deeper draft than I think people probably thought it was going to be it seemed like i mean the the uh the rhetoric around this draft was it was top heavy but now i think it's as we learn more about it through people like you and the other staff at no ceilings is that there's a lot of potential in the middle parts of this draft so with 
with Tyler. We're going to go through some of these names and also just look at some of the skill sets that the Raptors need. We know the deal. Okay. We know this team pretty well, but until we hear Bobby Webster or Masai Ujiri say, this is what we're rolling with. Then we are only here to assume. We think that they want some guard depth. We think that they could use some pick and roll ball handling and someone to play beside Scotty Barnes, but we don't know. So with that in mind, we're going to go through characteristics. Some of the player types that are out there and how some of these prospects on the Toronto Raptors could help this team in the future, right now, next season, and all that kind of fun stuff. But before we get to all that, off your what you know right now, the players that could go ahead of the Raptors, um, the players that could be, you know, probably falling to the latter parts of the of the draft lottery. I guess that's where the Raptors are over the first round. Who do you think are like the two, three guys that are probably going to be <clears throat> there for the Toronto Raptors that you're like, you probably should nab them? You know, I, I think one name that is started to get a lot of steam in, in draft circles that I think is realistic shot. He could be on the board and could be the type of player that Toronto has a history of kind of targeting is um, Michigan's Kobe Bufkin. I, I think that's a yeah. popular name to, if you haven't gotten, you know, up to date on his game, it's, Really, really impressive player. Just one of those guys that I think everyone at those ceilings, myself included, we keep talking about him throughout the year. We've been like, someone's going to get a steal of this kid. Like he just does mm. a lot of stuff on the court. Smart player, intelligent, kind of plays at his speed, you know, makes the defense come down to his his level. And he's also a pest defensively. He's got good length. He measured around 6'4 without shoes at the combine. So he's got good length. And um just a smart player. Um, freshman year didn't play that much. Last year or this year, just fantastic season, just a huge yeah. burst. And he's still really young. Um, technically, he should be a freshman. That's, you know, I think he just turned 19 in February off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. um, that's a name I, w- I would keep an eye on. <laughs> it's a, I, I like Toronto's spot because there's some names I think that could just slip through the cracks and they could get some good value. So, yeah. And like maybe a movement shooter like Jordan Hawkins of UConn's been a really, really popular name. Um, if you're trying to get someone to play along Scotty Barnes that could just put up buckets in a hurry and kind of create a new wrinkle with his movement shooting and, and running off screens and everything like that. And then there's the Jed Howards, there's the Grady Dick yeah. that should be in that territory. So there's some really interesting names, and I haven't even brought up Keontae George, but it's a lot of offense, um, a lot of shooting sure. that could in that range and you know that that could be where there's a start of the floor spacers um in this class so sticking on kobe for a second because that's been a pretty trendy trendy name uh, amongst the raptor fan base he seems like a player that could really be a three-level scorer in the nba you know and and that i think that's a skill set that is a bit underrated uh, especially in in today's nba where there are so many players that are designated roles and even though you could be able to be a two-level score. Maybe you got a bit of mid-range and you that you believe in. You're not really given the leash to do that. But Kobe seems like the guy that's going to come into the NBA, and you're going to see it right off the bat. Yeah, I, I, I he's just one of those guys. Every single time I, I've turned on tape, Kobe Bufkin's one of those like this is just awesome to watch. Like it's just yeah. pleasant. How many different areas of the game he impacts, and and when you're talking about the three-level scoring, like he's he's outside shot is training the right direction in a hurry hmm. um he's shooting like high 80 percent from the free throw line he's got good touch good form it's consistent he's patient when it comes to navigating screens getting to his spots he he's really intelligent with the ball in his hands like he understands how to work 
angles and, and attack windows to get to his spots on the court. And that's where I think the mid range comes alive. And then he's very crafty to finish around the basket. Um, yeah. So you're talking about a, a potential combo guard with good size, good length, um, still young and, and, you know, on the right developmental paths where mm. we haven't seen the best basketball uh, of his. And I think that's the type of player, especially for the Raptors, you might get him in there and be like, okay, we, we got two smart players with Scotty Barnes and Kobe Bufkin. And, and Bufkin just has this, you know, gives me a lot of Mike Conley vibes. You know, he's bigger than Mike Conley, but he just plays that game under control, poised. Yeah. So he, he's a really popular name right now. Turns 20 this year, right? Yes. Yeah. So that would scare a lot of t other teams away, but not the Toronto Raptors. They, right, they have no right, problem right. taking a 22 year old, 21 year old, which, you know, could be a reason why he could be available at the latter parts of the lottery. Other teams are going to say, yeah, but he's 20 years old. And the Raptors are like, he's only 20. That's right, perfect. Right. I love that kind of stuff. Um, I look at this Raptors team now. And if you watch this past season, you know, having players that could, you know, truly operate in the pick and roll and just have that kind of patience in the pick and roll and uh, comfortable navigating through spaces has been a problem. They really only had Fred Van Vliet and he was overtaxed. He was given a lot of reps that probably he shouldn't have been given all those reps, but there was truly nobody else. And so I, I think that they realize this. I mean, I hope that they do realize that there has to be a scoring pop coming off from, from their guards. And um, I don't know if there really is an option necessarily on this team right now in terms of a person developing into that. So I think they have to go this route. And that's why Kobe is, he seems like a kind of a natural fit in that capacity. And also you like that, that he's 6'4", you know, it's not huge, but for a guard, when we're talking about combo guards, that's a huge asset in today's NBA because especially now with the way teams scheme, six four could mean that you're also guarding threes. You know, right, right, absolutely. And I, I think one of the what I love about him in the pick and roll also is is he's a really intelligent passer. So you're talking about he's coming off, he's setting up defenders and coming off screens and you know throwing live dribble cross court passes for wide open shooters. He understands mm -hmm. how to hit the role man. He's, he's just a really smart player that doesn't play, you know, sped up. Like he's, he's quick, but he's not in a hurry. Like he, he's really under control. And oh, I man, think that's, that's important. So not yeah, to interrupt I, you, but no, knowing how to operate, knowing how to operate at your own pace is yes. so key. Yeah. And, and Jet Howard went down from Michigan for a while and they needed someone badly to step up and, and Kobe Bufkin stepped up and, and, just one of these guys that I think all of a sudden the confidence was surging throughout the year. And you're like, Whoa, okay. Mm. And it's one of those, when you go back and watch all of his film throughout the year, you just see some really impressive stuff on a nightly basis of just the competitiveness. Um, and, and one of my favorite areas of his is his defense. I mean, he has unbelievably lethal yeah. hands when it comes to just quick point of attack. Like he gets a lot of steals from just getting right up in you and applying ball pressure. So Got a lot of checks, a lot of boxes. Jason Wallace was another name that was yes. kind of in the in the Raptors area, but it feels like a lot of at least mock drafts have him going quite a bit earlier around the seven eight area. That's probably one of my other favorite guys. You know, Kobe Bufkin and Jason yeah. Wallace. I've done two defensive breakdowns on both of them, and they have a lot of similarities defensively. Um, I think Jason's going to be a steal for some team. Uh, obviously. Hmm. Everyone's going to lean on the defensive stuff, but I think coming into this year from high school, I wanted to see if the three-point shot developed. And he had some rough patches this year, but for the most part, it was very, very strong, especially when it came to like catch-and-shoot offense. 
I think he's got a lot of tools. I think he's got a lot of upside. And I, I keep saying, I think he's one of the safest guys in this lottery. And, and now obviously we're having the, you know, the combine week with interviews and medical. So there's going to be some stuff that comes out about it. So everyone needs to check out clean, but when it comes to case mm-hmm. and Wallace, he's a little banged up this year, but when you see the potential he's had, like he's got great touch. Um, he's crafty. Another guy in the pick and roll that can be a really strong asset, but he's just got great shooting touch as well. Do you think there's a cap on his upside to some degree? I, I think it's just with Kaysen, you'd probably, you know, a lot of people have been throwing the Drew Holiday comparisons, which I do think, you know, maybe Drew Holiday coming out at, from UCLA mm-hmm. is probably where you're at with that. Um, I think you're just going to get a lengthy combo guard that maybe you're not chasing the star potential, but maybe, maybe you're chasing a guy that's just going to play for a really long time in the NBA yeah. and at a high level. And I think even if Kaysen's offense doesn't take you know, all these steps forward, he's still going to be a really, really special defender. Um, sure. So there's just a lot to like about his game. And I think while he might not have the highest ceiling, he might have like a higher floor, which, you know, that's something that a team like Toronto could say, like, that's mm. what we love. We need to get someone that's just like, okay, you know, sometimes we at no ceiling. Plop like, him in. Yeah. Just yeah, plop him in. Right. Yeah. At no ceiling. Sometimes we like to compare it to baseball. Like, don't swing for the fences. Sometimes you just need a single or a double to take that next step forward at the NBA organization. So maybe Case and Wallace is that. Hey, a steady third pitcher isn't a bad idea either. <laughs> exactly. Know? Right? Exactly. Do you, think he, do you think he's the best option to play off Scotty Barnes? That was one of the, the criteria that I gave I gave Tyler. Yeah. Um, there's some names to play off Scotty Barnes. I mean, that that's definitely a good one because I think Case and you know, playing alongside Severe Wheeler at times this year, I think he showed he can be a little bit of a combo guard and play off the ball. Doesn't have to have it in his hands, but hmm. you know, around where the Raptors be picking, I think there's some guys that really could thrive if they're looking for someone to play off Scotty Barnes when it comes to catch and shoot threats. Like I haven't even mentioned um, Keontae George of Baylor. I think that's yeah. A really let's talk about him. One. I, I yeah. like Keontae a lot. Um, got to see him in person this year. There's a lot to his game. And I think I think this is going to be one of those guys that I wouldn't be shocked if heats up throughout the pre-draft process because he got he was a little banged up to end the season. Um, the efficiency kind of started to, to struggle. I think he had a lower body injury, but mm. um, when he's cooking and and you know, if you're measuring the highs of all the prospects, I think Keontae, when he's got takeover ability, um, you know, going up against Kansas, he showed that where he can just absolutely take over a game and that's a multi-level scorer. He's a lot bigger frame than people might think. I mean, he's going to be dishing out punishment when it comes to having to guard him every night. And it's weird when I saw Keontae in person, I think at Baylor's site, you know, which we always joke about team sites always round up, but um, they had him listed around 190 at the time. And I was like, he doesn't, he looks over 200 easily. Like he's just, <laughs> he's kind of bulky. And, and yeah. Um, I think playing in at Baylor, like sometimes when you're evaluating or scouting, you always have to take in the the system or the situation that the player's in. And they had a really talented backcourt um, with some upperclassmen. And I think it was kind of a lot of, okay, now it's your turn. Here, you take the ball, you you try to create. And I think with the additional spacing and, and talent around, I think Keontae could be kind of a diamond in the rough. Yeah. And the Raptors have a history with Baylor. 
They like those mm-hmm. players. They like what they offer, the athleticism, the tenacity. They like that system. So that's something to keep our eyes on. Screen navigation in today's NBA. And when, when I mentioned uh, Casey Wallace and players that can get through screens, that can navigate those and just be a step ahead in terms of reading where the screens are coming from, the best angles, um, that might be one of the, the more low-key valuable skills um, for a person to come in. Just having like a next step with that, especially in today's NBA where there's so much switching pick-and-roll coverages um, they have to be spot on and look no further than today's playoffs right now. We're seeing players that are valuable in one series and all of a sudden they're not anymore, right? Because now you're facing a different matchup and all of a sudden now you just can't be used in this situation because you don't have the screen navigation skills. We're talking about, you know, D'Angelo Russell now. It's a topic, right? Is he going to be able to play in this series, even though he was so valuable in the previous one? Like that's the kind of stuff that comes up and a person like uh, Keontae and Kaysen, you could see that they're going to battle through that kind of thing. And also you match up with some of their uh, on-ball skills. You know, it's, it's one of the things like personally, when I'm evaluating, I always will, a lot of people get too excited about potential or the athleticism. And I'm always like, give me the guys with high feel and basketball IQ. Like I'll always lean on those because those are the guys that are playing in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Like those guys that are getting extended minutes and trust from head coaches when the playoff series and, you know, when you're advancing on, because exactly what you said, like the playoffs are always about tinkering and adjusting on a gamely basis when you're going up and then as the rounds go on, it gets tougher because the competition's getting tougher. So you've got to be able to understand angles and almost lean on fundamentals when it comes to that type of stuff, because the smallest window, you know, gets smaller as the, as the games <laughs> get tougher and yeah. um, you got to be able to adjust. So I think that's why guys like Casey Wallace, um, even Keontae offensively and, and Kobe Bufkin, especially, but those are guys that I just think check a lot of boxes and, you know, obviously um, none of these prospects are finished products and, and they still got stuff to worry about. And but I think a developmental staff is going to iron that out. And I like the potential of all of them. On Keontae, how do you feel about his, his off ball motion shooting? So coming off a pin down and turning into a mid range jumper or being able to, you know, come off a, a curl screen and get in the lane, make the right pass, things of that nature. How do you feel about that? I think it's strong. Um, if anything, I almost at times watching Baylor this year, I wish they kind of leaned on it a little more because you will see him run, you know, baseline to baseline, all of a sudden catch and shoot corner three. And he's also got that swagger where he'll hit a couple and then they run that play again. And all of a sudden that defender's flying by and he just hits him with an up fake and mm. side dribble. And, and it's, he's got a gorgeous shot from outside. So I think with Keontae, if you know Raptors fans are, are passionately like watching his film, don't get too caught up in the percentages. I think going back to his high school tape, his FIBA tape, um, he can shoot the crap out of the ball. Like he's yeah. a very talented scorer, and when he is heating up, it's you know the hoop gets bigger and, and his range <laughs> deeper. And it's it's he's a smart player, and, and I think the biggest you know I, I know you asked me about the movement shooting specifically, but one of the cherry on top of this year with Keontae was his playmaking took off to a level that no one was ready for. Like oh, man, that's that's big playmaker. Yeah. So yeah. that's where I think, you know, some people could get caught up with the percentages, but you got to look at the the bigger picture here. And, and I think that's one of my favorite fits for the Raptors. If they're trying to get that, you know, offensive burst, 
going sure. along Scotty Barnes, that could make some sense. But yeah, the movement shooting special. I mean, he he'll run off of everything and he can get a shot off at, at the snap of a finger. Let's stick on this movement shooting aspect here. So there's a few other guys um, that are in this lottery range that kind of specialize in this a little bit. That's actually like one of their biggest skills. And the Raptors, don't got to tell anyone, they could use some of that on their roster. Look at the Miami Heat, right? That's why they're here in a lot of ways. Um, the threat of movement shooting, it's being really shown in, in these playoffs, right? How it can get you through tough situations, how it can just get you some easy offense in terms of just being a threat. And then you can have, you know, slips and cuts and so forth um, happening off balls. So who are the the big threats in terms of movement shooting that the Raptors could be interested in? I, I mean, it, it feels wrong if I don't start out with Jordan Hawkins. Um, yeah. You know, of UConn, he's, he's unbelievable to watch. I mean, he, I've, I've joked about it with some guys. I've said like, I wouldn't want to be an eight-year veteran and be like, okay, you're guarding Jordan Hawkins tonight because he just runs miles and miles on the court. You know, uh-huh. he's coming off of pin downs. He's coming off of screens. He's running off of four screens and in, in one action. It's just crazy. And then he is um, violently quick with his release. Like he can get his shot off of any type of, you know, his feet set, his move, his body's carrying him this way. And it's effective at a high volume. So mm. He's very, very dangerous, and I, I also think with his game, there's a little bit more creation than I think a lot of people are, are, mm. are understanding. I think there's some potential for the mid-range, and he also is a little bit sneaky athletic. I hate saying that, but like he'll out of nowhere just go you know, jam on someone, and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? So I think just a lot of people think he's a one-trick pony. I think he's got a lot more to his game, and I think there's some some serious versatility just – just waiting to be unlocked, especially with Jordan Hawkins. Um, Greedy Dick's another one of Kansas. Um, really, really special. I think smart, really smart player off the ball when you're talking about like backdoor mm. cutting, knowing how to space the floor. Um, and then obviously he's got a nice set shot that he can he can get hot as well too. So I, I think those are the two top names to to throw out there. So between those two, who do you think is the better defensively? And is it really, yeah, is it, is there a who about that or is it like unequivocally Jordan Hawkins? <laughs> no, I, I think it's a, you know, it, it's, I think it's a lot closer than people probably think. I think okay, a lot of people are going to think Grady Dick isn't a good defender. And I don't think that's entirely true. I think he might be a really good team defender. Um mm which is just like knowing rotations, where to put himself, how to make everybody else better. And, and I think there's some stuff on the ball he'll figure out, but I mean, he's still around six, seven, six, eight with good athleticism and quickness. And I think he's really yeah. intelligent. So, um, and some people have pointed out that they don't think Jordan Hawkins is a good defender. And I think he's got a lot of potential to be a really nasty defender. I, I think there's some, some clips you see this year with. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, 
like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. UConn where his help side defense is fantastic. Um, weak side, I mean, he just is really smart. So I think they both, I don't think they're going to play themselves off the court, if that makes yeah. sense. I, I think they're going to both be good, but I, I would kind of lean towards Jordan Hawkins there, which might be a little bit of a hot take for some folks, but that's, <laughs> no, that's I, I mean, I've, I've asked around and I've, I've been told, you know, from some that Jordan Hawkins could be going to top 10. Like there's just a lot of love. There's a lot of intrigue with some guys. Like they're just like, Hey, don't be surprised. Like that's, that's where his conversation is. So it's a crazy draft this year. It's going to be fun. Yeah. And no question. Even last year, right. There are guys that were projected to go 12th and then they went, you know, 25th and then vice right. versa. So it's right. just the nature of what a team needs and that's okay. I mean, for a Raptor fan, like Danny Green, when he was here, we kind of got like the tail end of Danny Green's, you know, elite on ball defensive days, but we saw also his off ball defense. He always knew where to be always. And that's why he was able to, to still, you know, garner minutes at a point of his career where his all-ball defense was kind of trailing off a little bit is that he knew where to be and that he was able to, you know, muck up driving lanes and get and dig on balls and just be a distraction and a disruptor as, as well as be a, a movement shooter. So I'm excited about either of those guys. I think I, I, I like that Grady Dick. I mean, he's 6'8", 205. 6'8", means something. I mean, we're, we're still talking about, you know, players that you can you can guard a one or a two or a three but six eight is six eight it's not six five which is what jordan hawkins is um so there is obviously a height difference there and uh, it reminds me actually of uh what it was austin reese he was closing out on michael porter jr on a few shots and we're just seeing the difference <laughs> and, like she could not get up there there was no way right. it was not possible so this is where a great dick could be more beneficial than a jordan hawkins right right it makes sense. I mean, that stuff starts to you. It's funny how it never matters until you get to this part of the playoffs. And then it's like, Oh, that matters. That's, that's when it yeah. starts to really make a difference. Yeah. So um, I, I get it. You know, and, and that's the thing with Grady Dick is you have to constantly remind yourself like, Oh, he's six, eight, like he's six, eight. He looks like he's six, four. And then all of a sudden you're like, no, he's six, eight and can do all this stuff. So um, they're both dynamic. They're both special and they're mm -hmm. in different ways. And I, I think they're both going to be good players. Everything nowadays with the Raptors, I mean, you probably saw from afar that everything that I see with the Raptors now, it's like, how does this help them win playoff rounds? That's all I look at. I, I care very little about the regular season. Yeah, okay, there's funky 6-9 thing. Um, it had some, some glimmers of hope at points of this season, obviously last season. But now it's like, how do you make sure that you have a eight-man rotation that is going to work in the playoffs as well? And what are the pitfalls of it? What kind of additions do you need? And that's why I'm so excited about a few of these players. Like we have seen, I mean, you probably know better than I do, the kinds of players that historically been taken around 13, like there are some really good ones, really good yeah, ones. Really so good there's ones. something here. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, you know, we always get caught up with like the top five, who's going early. And I think all the smart teams down there is like, you get really good value if you just be patient and let the board yeah. fall to you. We see all the time we go back and, you know, we see the popular redraft exercise and names just go spiraling up, up boards. And it's like, yeah, that's a reason because mm -hmm. you can find value all over if you're patient and just trust your, your scouting department. And I think there's always a range in every draft in which, you know, things can get really interesting. And I think when you get past, you know, the top five, top six, I mean, even top four in this draft, 
things could go any other direction. Uh, there's a lot of wild cards. There's a lot of guys that could go five or 11. I mean, it's just a really mm. fascinating range. And I, obviously some answers are going to be cleared up. I think with the, the buzz coming in from the combine in the upcoming weeks, but it's going to be a really fun, fun draft because, you know, obviously Victor was the grand prize, but I mean, now it's a two, everyone's like scooter or Brandon Miller. It's just, yeah. It's a fun time of the year. Portland has a mess to figure out. I'm curious yeah. what they do. If they yes. indeed are like, we're still want to build around Dame, then that means that number three pick is available. Hello, Toronto Raptors. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> now we're having fun. I was, I was yeah. like, okay, oh, yeah. there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to, we're going to be, going to be having fun. I, I have no doubt about it. There's going to be, I mean, the NBA is ridiculous with yes. the transaction that we see get pulled off. Um, three and D who is your three and D crime of the crop player in this draft. Um, I still see, and I'm saying this because I'm also going to ask uh, Tyler about who his vision six, nine guy is because we know Raptor fans. Okay. I mean, it may be painful and we're talking about guards and shooting and stuff like that, but the Raptors are the Raptors. And they could just double down on this vision if they find a player that they really like. So, but first off, uh, three and D, who is your, yeah, the top, top tier three and D player person that you think that has the most upside. And this actually would probably be similar to, to a case in Wallace to a degree is like you are filling a role because they still believe they, if they come back next season with a very similar team minus, you know, a few players here and there, a three and D could be valuable. So, Yeah. Three and D. Um, you know, I'll give some I'll give some love to Taylor Hendricks. I really like his game. I think he's gonna be a a floor spacing, you know, big or if you want to put it that way. I, I think he's more of the traditional like power forward, but hmm. um the defense is really special. So I'll I'll give some love to him. Um I'm trying to I'm gonna give a little bit of an outside of the box one, um, just because that's that's what I do. But um I'm a big fan of Colby Jones from Xavier. Okay. Um, might be a little rich for the Toronto Raptors um, and, and some of their fans, but I think he's one of those does a lot of really good stuff on the court, really smart player. Um, some games he takes over with the scoring, some games he takes over with playmaking. He's, he hmm. just wants, he's a winner. Um, he, he wants to do everything and, and he can play defensively and make an impact. So um, that's just one of those guys. The three and D is tough with this class because I see a lot of guys that I'm like, well, they can really shoot. And I'm like, eh, my, leaning on them for defense though like or like yeah. they develop into that um probably jordan hawkins like we just talked about is probably one of those guys i think that could get in that conversation and um you know i mean if i want to get really crazy if the shot continues to develop a sar thompson but you know now we're going up the board and i don't know if sure. toronto is going to be aggressive to get up that direction so i'm trying i have to put a disclaimer out that i'm trying to be towards <laughs> okay. toronto's pick because okay. obviously i could just be like well victor right no so. sure. <laughs> i gotcha um there's a few other names here that uh, i've seen you know connected with the raptors Derek whitehead um is another one and nick smith jr mm-hmm so let's start with Derek. Um, what are your thoughts on him? 42% from three this past season. Not bad. Um, yeah, Derek is is a really... Sorry, Derek. No, 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 oh, you're just... okay. Because I do it all on our podcast for No Ceilings. I think I miss someone's name like every single episode. So it's okay. We're, <laughs> we're fine. Um, Derek's a, a tough one because coming into this year, he was a preseason, you know, top five pick. Uh, everyone mm -hmm. thought that highly of him. He's around six, seven with good size, good strength, um, good length. Like he checks a lot of boxes and high school. He's extremely explosive. Um, 
it's just been a weird year because high school, you're like, man, if the, sh- the shot's the only thing that needs to come around. And then he has a preseason, um, lower leg injury, misses a lot of time, comes back, just didn't look like he, you know, he looked yeah. like he was 50%, just the explosiveness wasn't there. Sure. It never really came around. Um, I think he was just, I think there was even a post game um, interview and he was just like, everything's so fast. I'm just trying to catch up. Like, and I was hmm. like, that tells you a lot about a kid, you know, who's, who's been dealing with a tough year so far. And he has a lot of talent, a lot of intrigue, but had another lower leg injury um, that I think he was out a couple games and had to try to play it through. So just had the surgery to clear everything up. Hopefully it's fine because the explosiveness never looked like it was coming back, but um, it, the, uh, the positive side of that was his shot looked fantastic this year. I mean, it yeah. really developed in a really strong way. So now there's this balance of, well, if you're getting the pre high school Derek with the explosiveness to match the outside shot developing that he just had, then you might find gold. And, and that's the range in the draft where, you know, the Raptors, if, if they're entertaining that idea, you're going to have to lean on your mm-hmm. scouting department. Um, you got to go back and, you know, I, I even asked an executive around the league. I was like, how do you, how do you go with that mindset with, with players like that? And it was like, you have to trust the player and, everything that happened before this year and mm-hmm. if they're a hard worker they got the intangibles and if everything checks out then yeah you you roll the dice but um he's like it's it's really hard he's like it's it's really really difficult so sure um Derek's still got a lot of fans i think there's he's got the talent to be a top 10 player in this draft but it's just can everything check out healthy and i hope it does Interviews are very important with the Toronto Raptors, yes. I guess for, for many teams as well. But I, I mean, the Raptors, I can see them, if, if it comes down to two players, they might go with the one that they trust more in terms of the interview, how they present themselves. And I mean, all these are, are leap of fates, right? There have been many players who have not worked out and others who have worked out and they were the 40th pick or whatever the case is. So um, that eye contact, the conversation, they value a lot. Nick Smith Jr., your thoughts, sir? Um, another difficult one that sort of, Similar storylines to Derek, but um, a little bit different. So another guy that was projected potentially to be even a top three pick um, coming mm. into the year. Same story with just he's had some knee problems, some injuries. Um, he's been puzzling because obviously it's 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 tough with him. You have to weigh the the situation at Arkansas this year. You know, didn't have a lot of spacing on that team. They didn't have a lot of you know shooters. Um, Trevon Brazil gets hurt in the beginning of the year. He looked like he was potentially going to enter as a late first round pick at some point, if he kept going that way. And Anthony black, obviously is fantastic, but he wasn't, you know, making teams terrified from deep. So Nick Nick Smith comes back, kind of tries to play catch up. And um, he just, he always looks sped up. He never looked really just like things were slowing down. And um, I I think now teams are at a point where they're saying, okay, is this more of a combo guard or more of like a Tyler hero that can really space the floor as a shooter, but there's not that, you know, franchise point guard potential that we, we might've thought coming into the year. And um, obviously another guy that needs to check out with medicals and everything like that. But I think he's also the name to keep an eye on throughout the pre-draft process. Cause you know, Nick Smith can shoot. So if he gets in a gym, it wouldn't shock me if all of a sudden it's like, well, Nick Smith, you know, tore the net apart at his workout. He couldn't miss. And it's like, yeah, I mean, 
I understand that part of his game because he's got a beautiful shot, but it's the rest of the game that seems to still be kind of all over the place. And it's just a tough year. I mean, we see this happen all the time with mm. some highly touted, you know, freshmen. It's just not everyone finds their groove right away. Uh, Jaden McDaniels at Washington was a projected top five preseason pick. He ends up going late first round and that's looked good for Minnesota. I mean, I mean, it happens all the time. Nature of the draft, nature of the combine. That's why it's like the last ditch effort to make your impression. All of a sudden that you can really uh, turn some scouts heads. Um, a few more for you mm-hmm. going back to kind of the, the characteristics, that kind of a thing um, with some of the players pull up shooting, especially in mid range area, uh, three point range. I think that's another thing that's has been shown in these playoffs, um, being able to get your shot off quickly. Um, so teams can't go under on pick and rolls. It helps your spacing. Um, also, it's just like, if you want to be an elite NBA score, if you want to be, you know, the creme de la creme, as I've talked about, your pull up three has to be there. Jason Tatum game seven. That was ridiculous. You know, I'm sure you were yes. shouting, <laughs> you were shouting many, many things during that because that was exceptional. He has like a bunch of games where he's not right. That all of a sudden he's like, well, I'm still him. We're good. We're him. <laughs> um, all good. No problem. Um, but yeah, uh, pull up shooting, especially in the, the pick and roll, the best player in the pick and roll for, in terms of ball handling, it's kind of a lot of different characteristics, but is there a person that you go, Teams are going to have fits with him when it comes to their coverages and their screening because of how versatile of a scorer he is. Yeah, I'm not trying to use Scoot Henderson from every, you know, one of these categories. So I'll, I'll keep staying away from that. But obviously, Scoot <laughs> would have been one of my answers. Um, I'm trying to give new prospects. So I'm going to go with... Uh, but if not, I'm, though, that's okay, actually. Okay, okay. If, it, if, it, if it's the same person that we talked about, it actually just kind of emphasizes the point why he might be the person. So that's okay. Um, pull-up shooting, I'd still probably put Jordan Hawkins in that category, but another one that really jumps to me, um, personally, and I think I'm a little higher on him than some is, uh, Jalen hood Shafino of Indiana. Okay. Um, I could see this being kind of a wild card Raptors target. If you want to put mm. it that way, just because really crafty ball handler with fantastic size. Um, I think he was. I think he had almost like a 6'10 wingspan. I might be off wrong off the top of my head, but I, he's around 6'6". Six, six. Um, mm-hmm. He looks like a point guard. He handles like a point guard, but he's got that size, and he's fantastic in the mid-range when it comes to just running off pick and rolls. And he, every time he sees the elbow and it's wide open, he's like, all right, pull up, jumper. Like, it, it, I'll take, I'll pick that apart. Sure. Um, really good playmaker, too. So, like, if the – the three-point shot comes around, you've got a really smart, unique weapon with that size. And I think he's also got in, – in high school, he showed some nastiness on the defensive side of the ball. And I think there were some flashes at Indiana, but mm. you know, Toronto might see that as a developmental opportunity where it's like, okay, we have Scotty, and now we have Huchifino playing off of him. That might be really intelligent. And I, you go watch his game against um, Iowa, and that's a really quick sales pitch of like, okay, well, I'll buy into Jalen Huchifino. So – I like him a lot there. Um, I'm trying to think what else. So you said pick, or you said just pull up shooting. Well, actually, let's go to best pick and roll operator. Okay. Let's go to that now. Who do you think is is that person? Again, it's okay to double up a little bit. Um, yeah. If there's someone that comes to mind for you. I, I, I would start with Scoot there. I think Scoot's very, very dangerous in the pick and roll. Um, see, at 13, I don't know if it makes sense, but... You know, another name I'll throw out there is Marcus Sasser of Houston. Um, okay. I love him. And he was on Synergy's one of the best rated pick and roll guys this year. 
Hmm. really really competitive gritty i mean he's an upperclassman so you know he's gonna get projected late first round which is fine but i think he's a really really you know dangerous maybe this is a guy that toronto could try to trade back into the end of the first round to get or something like that man the raptors are known to do that they would exactly when they find their guy they have their guy (laughs) go get your guy and i love masai is always you know willing to go get be aggressive so um you know, Keontae is probably in that category. Hood Shafino, again, I think those are guys that are all very dangerous in the pick and roll because yeah. Keontae was one of those like, oh, pick and roll, he just pulls it from deep. But now it's, oh, the playmaking's also become a really strong weapon of his. So those guys all, all really thrive in that. And then um, obviously Anthony Black it, it, from Arkansas should be in that conversation too when it comes to just his vision and playmaking ability. But I think the next part of his game is just unlocking that outside shot a little bit more. And it's hard to bank on those going into the NBA because I think it gets to a point where there's a ceiling to the shooting. Even if you're if you're a 28% three-point shooter, at the end of your career, you may have only gotten to like 34, 35. Right. And that's okay, right? Because that's still a huge jump and you deserve credit for that. But what if you get someone that's like 32? Now they become 38. Now we're talking in today's NBA. So when I pitched, you know, doing the podcast with me, I said, you know, defense and shooting are probably the things the Raptors want the most. And I think that still probably remains, even after hearing all these names, um, they feel like they can teach a person to have a better feel for the game. Um, pick and roll ball handling, though, that probably is a unique skill. And I'm sure they could want a little bit more of that. But this is another question. What do you want to do with Scotty Barnes? What's his role next season? Is Fred Van Vliet going to be back next season? What the hell do you want to do? Who the hell's your coach? A lot of things with these Toronto Raptors that we're still trying to figure out. Okay, um, final one for you, and this has been great. Very uh, great knowledge, um, so thank you for this. One player that you're just like, this could end up being one of the best players in this draft, and I think he's probably a little bit too low on mock okay. drafts right now. Okay, I, I was going to say Jairus Walker there until you said too low on mock drafts, and I said, okay, let me, let me rule that one out real quick. Um, because Jarris is probably going to be gone by time yeah. Fred comes around, right? Yeah, he definitely. So I guess it be. is a bit of a sleep, a bit of a sleeper. I guess is okay. what we're we're looking for. Gigi Jackson. Also, I want to get your thoughts on him. Yes, yes, yes. We could. Okay, I'll give you two, and then we could talk about Gigi. Um, I think. Okay. I'll start with Gigi. Um, Gigi, I think has top ten talent in this in this class. I think he's got as much talent as anyone. Um, when he's cooking and and everything's clicking on tape, it is unbelievably special what he can do Mm -hmm. and reclassifying he's one of the youngest players in this class you have to remind yourself like he's supposed to be a freshman this upcoming season yeah um so what he was doing in the sec at that age remarkable um but there's just some shot selection that he's gonna have to iron out because it's not gonna last with the veterans on a roster they're gonna be like what are you doing and Mm -hmm. um he needs to go to an organization that will be patient and develop him and hold them accountable sure and toronto would probably be one of those where yeah if they buy in and the interviews go well and all of that stuff absolutely they would jump all over it because he has the tools to be an offensive weapon i think defensively he's shown some stuff as well too but there's maturity and, and it's expected with, and i'm not trying to say that in a negative way it's expected with someone that young that's trying to play at that level so 19 um, right yeah, I, I think he, yeah, I think he just turned 19. So um ridiculous. I mean, he's got so much upside at that's height, that shot making. It's really special. Um also people in 6'9, 215. Yeah. That's 6'9, 
for all the Raptor fans, 6'9", 215. So we know our relationship with the height of 6'9". Keep that in mind. <laughs> um, another name I'll give, I, I really think this could be, you know, a couple of years. You could find out that you have gold with this kid, but um, kind of a late bloomer. I really like Maxwell Lewis of Pepperdine. Okay. Um, around 6'8", lengthy. He He's... A late bloomer. He started getting serious about basketball late in his career, but it's pretty remarkable what he has shown on the offense side of the ball. And for about 75% of the year, or 50%, if you want to put it that way, he was putting up insanely efficient numbers at a high volume and then kind of hit that wall, which is always expected. But, um, you know, Jalen Clark at UCLA, we, we had on our no ceilings podcast and, you know, he talked about one of the toughest guys to deal with. And he's like, Maxwell Lewis has, all the tools mm. to be a serious bucket getter. And um, they trained together and it was just high praise because Jalen Clark's, you know, I think he was Pac-12 defensive player of the year. So um, I, I think Maxwell Lewis has got a lot of tools that if you're just smart and let everything come together, you get a really, really dangerous wing yeah. that can score in a, at three levels in a lot of ways. And he's got athleticism. He checks a lot of boxes. Beautiful. And uh, we haven't talked about this yet, but the the patience and what is the expectation for this player when it comes to the Toronto Raptors? Do they want them to be instant impact? Because there are some players that could be, you know, maybe to a smaller degree, but there can be players that can come in right now, probably, you know, early stretch of the season, they get their reps in and they could be a rotation piece on whatever kind of style they want to go with. But a person like Gigi Jackson, you could say, hey, man, Three, four years down the road with some seasoning, some time with the Raptors 905, this could be a guy, like a true guy. And I don't know where the Raptors are going to be going with this. Um, I don't know where they're going with their franchise, their roster. Um, that's why it was very helpful to have you on. Um, it was greatly appreciated. I learned a lot. I hope everyone else did as well. Once again, where can people find your work and what's coming up? Um, I'm at noceilingsnba.com for everyone listening. Just go check it out. We talk about the draft all year and all of our content is completely free. Um, and we've got a uh, NBA draft guide that we've been working very hard on that'll be released very soon. I think the 22nd. So Beautiful. Um, thank you guys. Or thank you so much for having me on. I was very excited about this and let's get the Raptors a good one. I'm, I'm excited for this draft for them. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed your time on the Raptors Over Everything podcast. Everyone, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you very soon. All the best.